Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our latest ebook, Building a Sales Process for Repeatable Success. In this ebook, you'll discover a simple nine step process to building your very own sales process, how to measure its effectiveness, and best practices for reviewing and revising your process over time. Be sure to download a copy. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 230. This is Laura Marchoff, and today I'm talking to our operations officer and senior advisor, Elizabeth Frederick, and marketing and innovation manager, Ariana Miskell, about our latest ebook, Building a Sales Process for Repeatable Success. Thank you both for being here today. Well, thank you, Laura, for having us. This should be a lot of fun. Thank you, Laura. Our discussion today will address why building a sales process is crucial for your business, and we'll go over the four major areas of your business that a sales process can improve. All right, guys, let's jump in. So what should be included in a sales process, and what is the value of having a sales process? So I'll get us started, and I'll say that what the value of a sales process is, is that it aligns your team to a common goal and objective, and it makes it much easier to manage a large complex team if you work at a large corporation or possibly are in charge of an enterprise sales team. Um, Because if it's done correctly, it directly correlates to data um, and other benchmark points in your CRM and other platforms so that you can effectively manage it. Absolutely, Ariana. I see the sales process really helps with alignment, as you mentioned, because what you want is to have everybody doing some of the same things so you can effectively measure whether or not that's successful. So for example, if everybody uses a different process for running meetings, or everybody uses a different um, terminology or, or understanding of the pipeline stages and what they are, then you can't necessarily evaluate what's our close rate uh, of opportunities that get to proposal stage. Because every opportunity at proposal stage has probably had different things, that, um, that different steps that that opportunity has been through. If, on the other hand, you have a really objective sales process and everybody's doing the same thing, leadership can say, hey, this person is successful and, and you know has a certain close rate, these other people don't, what are the differences between those two? You can develop predictability and forecasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the value of a sales process is just that, that consistency. That gives leaders real insight into what's happening. Because if every opportunity is unique, if every single um, lead goes down a completely different journey, then managers would literally need to have insight into each individual lead and opportunity to know what's going on. And then you're a micromanager and no one wants Absolutely, and nobody nobody even can. Then, you know, why have a manager, the salesperson's doing all of that, right? right? Instead, um, when you have a process and things are within that process, you can look at things in buckets and and that really works. So when you talk about that, I'll jump to the next half of the question, Laura. Um, What should you include in a sales process? The most important thing to me is that you're including not just the middle. And I'll explain that for a minute. So often we see that people think sales process pipeline stages. That's the middle. But you need to think back to where did you get the lead? What was marketing doing? Um, what are your qualification processes? And, and all of the things that happen at the very beginning. And then you go through, you know, in those pipeline stages, those are important. But then you have to close the opportunity. And what are the steps to handoff to delivery? So you need to think of 
from the department before sales to the department after sales, making sure all of those touch points and handoffs are in the process. And I just talked a lot. So Ariana, what about you? I think what I'm going to say definitely aligns and it's important. And we do talk about this in a lot of our blog posts, like the breakthrough guide to a B2B sales process, especially. Um, but your sales process should include milestones of what your reps do when working to a close. So this has to do with what we were talking about when we mentioned the value of it. Um, you don't want the process to be so narrow that they uh, they can't have their own selling style or they can't uh, make a decision based on the circumstances of an opportunity, but you want it to be narrow enough to guide them and make sure that they are hitting very specific milestones um, or indicators that would qualify an opportunity to even become in your opportunity pipeline. Definitely. That's a great point. Thank you, guys. And so... Although you already went over this a little bit, what are some of the key problems that a sales process solves? Yeah, definitely. So the first one, I think we've touched on a bit, but I'll, I'll sit on it for a bit, and it's disconnects between different departments. So if you think your sales process, for example, starts with receiving what you would consider a marketing qualified lead, and then you just start off from there and you train your team on that, but you haven't aligned with marketing on what exactly that looks like, maybe you're skipping a nurturing step that should happen. And so you've got to disconnect. Or maybe you think you need to capture certain points of information and that's all you capture. That's what you train your team to capture. And then you hand it off to delivery and they need to have an exploratory call with the new client because they didn't get all the information that they need. I've seen both of those things happen and that's because you don't have a great sales process. So really just having those disconnects between different departments. Um, as we were talking about before, you can't really effectively manage results if you don't have a good sales process. You're comparing apples and oranges and it's um, it's generally not gonna be very effective. So really thinking about if you wanna measure it, it needs to be consistent, you need to track it and you do that in a sales process. This also seems a little bit silly, but it really does happen. If you don't have a good sales process, stuff can fall through the cracks because a sales process is going to have buckets for things to go into. And so there will be certain hot opportunities or really interesting ones that are gonna get all the attention. And that makes sense and that's important and that's fine. But if you're only paying attention to those ones, there might be really good, valid, longer term opportunities that people kind of just forget about. And so having a sales process um, will remind you, a good sales process will remind you of the ones that are, that are going stale last one and then I'll promise I'll let you talk Ariana but it does make management much more difficult you have to manage every little thing so for example a new lead comes in I don't have a process for assigning it so I have to really think about who should get it um, I need to coach somebody well it's going to be very unique to this situation whenever you have a process you can just coach to the process you assign following the process you manage to the process and that makes life much easier for the manager <laughs> Definitely. And related to what you just said, we talk a lot, especially on our blog. I'm just plugging away at that right now. But um, our CEO definitely writes a lot about being preemptive or proactive as a salesperson mm -hmm. so that as a manager, you're not constantly asking questions like, oh, well, what? where is this opportunity? What, what happened with this? What did you say last to the prospect? Um, and having a tight sales process definitely helps management avoid being in the dark about opportunities and it enables your salespeople to be preemptive and have an understanding of what information is important to management um, and what they need to convey to prove that they're being successful or prove that they're doing their job. For sure. Thank you, guys. 
And so who should be involved in building the sales process? How can leaders manage that build-out process? So we recommend trying to get people from all different functions involved in building out the sales process, and this is very important to capture their point of view. Um, Think about it. A a lot of the people that we work with are B2B consultative sale type of sales teams, and there's a lot that goes into a sell, and there's a lot of different roles that go into a sell. Um, We hear from clients time and time again that the salespeople will sell something that is not possible to create or deliver, and there's a lot of misalignment in these areas where if you created a process that maybe had touch points with different functions to avoid this, um, your entire team would be much more successful. And then we also recommend that sales leaders schedule brainstorming events and set up the key parameters around the process, but you want your team to buy in. Um, And so even asking them through a small, short survey would definitely help to get them excited about a process that they are a part of and helped build. Definitely. Um, Just some additional bullets. As as Ariana said, having that cross-functional team, really think about everybody who's touched by sales, who impacts sales, who is impacted by sales, and they should all be involved. Um, One of the easiest ways to develop a sales process is to look at real deals that you've closed because they closed. (laughs) And so clearly something went right in the process. And really think about finding a mix, right? What's a big deal that closed? What's a small deal that closed? Um, What's one that came in through a referral or very warm lead versus one that you guys engaged that was cold? And really think through all those different scenarios so you have the right branches in the path of the sales process because a good sales process is not gonna be just one straight line, right? Things are going to, to vary on occasion. What you want to think about instead is looking for what I call kind of gates or, you know, key touch points in the process. Every opportunity must go through this gate. And when it does, it's going to look exactly like this. Maybe that's a very obvious one as a proposed stage. You know, a proposal has been sent and it includes a price. Um, For us, we put that in and we call it confirmed. You've confirmed what it is that you're talking about with this prospect. And if you can't do that, then clearly you cannot change the opportunity to that stage. It's only once you've actually sent it to them. And so that is where an opportunity becomes real. Um, but there are different ways that opportunities get there. Sometimes you send them a pre-document with, uh, with an initial scope. Sometimes you don't. And so you, you allow that flexibility, but you say, here's where we're drawing a line and, and we have a definite rule. That's why you need to really define what's the difference between a best practice and a procedure or a process or a policy, right? All those P's. So if it's a policy, it must happen. It must have a quote, um, you know, a proposal with a number in it to move to a C. But other things could be best practices. We could say it's generally a best practice to run a meeting in this certain way so that you can send that. Or it's generally a best practice to send this pre-scoping document and get their feedback. And so thinking about what you're going to put in there and say this is a policy, this is a process versus this is just kind of a best practice recommendation is important. As you're rolling this out, um, you know, when you're building it, really thinking about change management. We wrote an entire ebook on this, so we'll include a link to that in the show notes. But the whole point of change management is thinking, so right now, whether you recognize it or not, people are following some level of process. It might be that everybody on your team is following a different process, um, and there are some people that have a different process every time they run an opportunity. But 
there is a process that's happening. And so you're changing them from doing it one way to doing it a different way. And when you think about change management, um, two key principles that apply in this situation are over-communicate. <laughs> you want to make sure that everybody understands what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, um, you know, when things are changing, that you're, you're training people, you're training them again, you're documenting. Um, and then second, make sure that you're aligning any systems that are touched by the process along with it. You don't want to say we changed our sales process, but the CRM doesn't support that. Uh, you really need to think about um, how do we make sure that everything works together, that it's rolled out not in kind of one bombshell, but people have understood that this is happening over time and, and been brought along with you. And then you, you've got everything set up and they just kind of roll into this as smoothly as possible. So really, again, that principle of change management is key. Thank you both. So let's get into the nitty gritty. In the ebook, we provide an overview and nine step process for building a sales process. What are some of the key steps in that template and is there anything that either of you would like to elaborate on? So the stage that I wanna talk about is actually number one, which is analyze closed deals. And I know that Elizabeth just touched on this, but I really want to elaborate on the fact that it's very important to look back at your successes to see things like patterns and communications, maybe successful reps um, and various things like that. But it's also important to analyze lost deals or closed lost deals to see if there's a negative pattern associated with this and then maybe analyze gaps to see how you can tweak behavior um, or manage a better sales process to avoid things like prospects going radio silent or various opportunities falling through the cracks because they're not fun and pretty. <laughs> Definitely. I want to mention a couple of things that we put in the middle of those nine steps because it's important. Um, the first one is make sure that you're incorporating reports and KPIs. So one of the best ways that you can build those key policy steps, those key gates in your process, is think about what reports are needed by other areas of the organization, whether it's by sales leadership or executive leadership or marketing or you know delivery when do they need a forecast so they can start to plan delivery resources or what information needs to bubble up to the executive team and anytime you need to do a report work your way back you've got to obviously capture the information to go into that report and so that's a step that you need in your process you don't want to build the process and then try to retrofit reporting onto it it can be really difficult and awkward to do that so really think about reports first. Same thing with KPIs. Um, so for example, you might be looking to see, are we effectively scoping opportunities? Or even, are we scoping opportunities too early and investing a lot of time and resource in our maybe project management team or subject matter experts coming in to scope an opportunity, but the close rate when we scope is only you know 10% or 5%. What you would then need to capture to be able to track that is what opportunities are scoped. If you don't know and you're trying to do this manually, it's almost impossible. So then you need to make sure that you have a step in your process that everybody follows that says when something was scoped. And then you can track it over time. So thinking about those KPIs that you want to influence um, and the reports is really going to drive the, the way you, you develop your process. 
You'll also want to make sure to integrate any sales methodologies that you've trained your team on, um, whether this is spin selling or discovery-based selling or you know challenger sale, um, Sandler, any system that you might have trained the team on, if it conflicts with the process, or even if it doesn't conflict, if it's just different, right? It's not saying anything that opposes, but it, it's hard to tie the two together. You're making your salespeople do the work of trying to integrate the methodology into the process. That's not what you're paying your salespeople to do. Generally, you're paying them to sell. You can do that work instead and really integrate the methodology and, and lean on, by the way, your training partner. If you have a training partner who, who introduced this methodology, have them do some of this work and really make sure that you understand when do you use certain tools that were given to you by that by that methodology. Um, you know, do your stages map to whatever they like to call things? Most sales methodologies can easily be integrated into your sales process. It's just a matter of actually doing that work. And if you do it as the leader, that's going to again make it much easier for your salespeople to just follow along. And then when the step in the process comes up and they see the term that they learned in the training or that they saw, you know, in the book or the methodology, wherever it was they can just use that skill instead of having a process that uses one set of words and a methodology that uses a completely different one and you're leaning on them to remember to apply those techniques that you've that you've trained them on so how can leaders measure the effectiveness of their sales process so i'm going to keep my answer to this one fairly simple but i think there's two important indicators of whether or not people are using the sales process and if it's effective. And the first is that if people are plugging in the correct information into CRM or any information at all for that matter, um, and whether or not people are skipping steps. And if you're managing your sales process correctly and you have these benchmarks or milestones, you will be able to see if and when people are skipping steps. And it might not be because they're not doing their job properly, but it might be because a step in the sales process is redundant or unnecessary for certain opportunities. Definitely, we see that a lot. Um, maybe you build out a, a process and it's like 11 steps and you realize that everybody is jumping from step two to step four. What that might mean is they don't know how to do step three or they haven't been reminded to do step three. It might also mean that they do step three in the same meeting where they do step two. And so really investigating that is, um, is important. Back to what I've been talking about already, um, one of the key ways that you measure the effectiveness of your sales process is whatever KPIs you're tracking. So you need to identify KPIs that are based on the pain points that you're experiencing inside your organization. So what are you struggling with as a sales leader? What are different departments struggling with? You know, whether it's, as we talked about before, we're scoping too many that we're not winning, or we're getting a lot of inbound leads and we're not closing very many of them, or we don't seem to be closing very many of them. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of opportunities come in, but uh, we don't seem to be selling the right kinds of opportunities. Maybe they're, they're too small or they're too complicated or something else like that. So you really need to think about what are we actually looking to improve? What are we looking to change? And then figure out what you can measure that will help you track whether or not you're seeing success. And then make sure that you're, you're tracking it over time and, and seeing improvement. And if you're not, 
then you do need to think about, is my process helpful? Um, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need to actually change the process to impact the, the results the way that you're looking for. Um, one of the absolute most important things to measure within your sales process, whatever goals you're looking to improve, this is going to help, is the churn within each stage and the length of time opportunities sit in it. So I had an organization that I worked with, this was years ago, where they literally had thousands of referrals come in that they could not effectively follow up on. Like who in the world has a problem of too many referrals, right? Um, But they had, so anytime you've got a backlog building up in your sales process, whether it's referrals or whether it's later stage, you know, we send a lot of proposals out, we send a lot of RFPs out and we have this huge backlog of them and they're not moving forward that's an indicator that there's some sort of a problem. So really thinking about um, how much are things moving within the stages? Are things sitting too long without seeing any change? You know, you can develop reports and dashboards that say anytime an opportunity has been in stage three longer than 14 days, it's going to turn red. (laughs) Um, Really think about what can you do to evaluate whether opportunities are moving through at the right pace. And again, this ties to if you've effectively trained your team and they're all actually following the process, you can develop stats like this. You can say the typical opportunity that closes and wins moves through this stage in about 14 days. And ones that take longer than that, usually don't, we don't win. Um, so that will give you the red flag at 12 days that you, know, you, should, you should make sure it's moving forward. So things like that, but really thinking about how long are things sitting in stages, are you developing a big bulge in the pipeline somewhere because there's a there's a backlog or there's a bottleneck? Um, and, and how are you effectively churning? You know, are you consistently adding enough at the top of the funnel to actually result down at the end of the funnel into the number of deals that you need? Um, all of these as a manager, you can look at and you can better track all of these data points if you have a team that's effectively following a process. These are all things that if you don't have a process, it's really hard to actually measure. Thank you guys. And as always, do you have any other actionable tips for sales leaders to implement in their sales playbooks? Well, I'm just gonna kind of step back and do a big one that you need to actually document your process in the playbook. <laughs> so often we see that people think, well, I just need to change the names of you know my lead stages and my opportunity stages in CRM and boom, I have a sales process. No, you don't. Um, you actually do need to write up and maybe even visually map it out. That can be really helpful. You write up that sales process and put it in the playbook. And then what you can do if it's in your playbook is you can link in various stages to things like here are key reports, here are the templates to use. You know, you get to this stage and you need to send a proposal. Here's the folder of all of our proposal templates. Um, You get to this stage and you need to give a presentation. Here are the decks that you're allowed to use. Um, Really thinking about um, taking that sales process and instead of making people do the work to pull the related resources in, actually just tie those to the stages in the sales process right within your playbook. That's going to, again, make things much easier for the sales team to serve up the right content when they need it. And just to keep it simple, because I think Elizabeth really hit the nail on the head, just to have an outline, if anything, of your sales process in the playbook. Um, that way people can ref- uh, reference it and they can really use it if maybe something changed or there's steps that they're not familiar with. 
I think that's the base level of what you can do. Definitely. And something that um, I realized I didn't mention before, but it is important. This is more of a tip for for your sales process. But um, a lot of times we see that people have stage names for their opportunity for their either leads or opportunities stages that are not all that useful or even there and we see this a lot it drives me absolutely nuts they're just using percent so i say this is a 75 percent opportunity this is a 25 percent opportunity that's not really a sales process if i'm looking at a 25 percent opportunity what do i need to do to get it to be a 50 percent i don't know <laughs> It could be a different thing every time, right? So having stages, like I mentioned earlier, having a proposed stage or a confirmed stage, what that tells you is every opportunity before it, I know I need to get to a point of scoping it and developing a proposal and sending it so I can move it to that stage. For leads, we keep it even easier. We think about things like having an uncontacted stage. Well, what do you need to do if a lead is uncontacted? You need to contact the lead. And then we have a stage you know, contacted outbound or contacted left message or sent email. Well, that tells you that the lead, you've done your outreach, but you haven't yet heard back. So what do you need to do? Hopefully get them to engage. Um, Then you might have a stage called conversation, and that shows the leads that you're in conversation with, but you're looking to qualify them. And so really think about having both an objective stage. It's not fuzzy. Again, if it says 25%, I think it's 25%. You think it's 50. Somebody else thinks it's 15. It's really confusing. But if it's something like confirmed or something like conversation, you really can't argue with that. You can't have half the team think it means one thing and half the team think it means another thing. Um, So really think about, this kind of doesn't answer the question you just asked, but I just thought of it and had to mention, really make sure when you're naming your opportunity and lead stages that you actually name them. Don't just give a number. And if possible, name it something that is number one, objective, and number two, really leads people to the action that you want them to take. While we could definitely talk about the sales process all day, I think it's time to wrap up this episode. Thank you both for chatting with me today, and thank you all for listening. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 230. Tune in to Monday's episode with Elizabeth. Um, We're going to have a very special guest, and this Friday for her latest inspiration. For more, be sure to check out our blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rating and reviewing the show helps other people find us, and we really, really appreciate it. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Elizabeth Frederick, Ariana Miskell, Mark Krogan, and me, Laura Marchoff. Happy selling!